This talk show is brought to you by Hey, 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 everybody. It's Dr. Cheryl Bryant-Bruce, MD. You know me. And you are listening to Chatters That Matter. Let's talk about it. This is our runaway hit talk show that features interesting and exciting guests to educate, entertain, and inform you. We talk about anything and everything as it relates to health. And since every day, everything in some way relates to our health, that means we talk about anything and everything. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started, however, I am an actual medical doctor. So I just want to put in the disclaimer that any Thing that you hear on this show is informational and for your entertainment only. It does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship between yourself and me. And so if you hear anything that interests you or that you feel applies to you when you're watching our shows, then please, by all means, take that information and take it to your physician because your physician knows you and I don't. So we do not have a doctor-patient relationship. Now, tonight's show is going to be a very interesting show. I'm interviewing some really, really exciting guests. Tonight's show is on skateboarding. Yeah, that's right. You heard me, skateboarding. Now, you know that for the past few weeks, we've been doing our shows uh, as they relate to the 50th anniversary of hip hop and relating that to mental health and wellness. What does hip hop and skateboarding have in common? Well, they actually do have something in common. You see, skateboarding is to sports what hip hop is to music. These were both two genres that rose up out of a need and everybody said they were a fad, that they wouldn't last. And yet both skateboarding and hip hopping have swept the world taken it by storm and have become legitimized forms of sports and music. Not only that, they're frequently interrelated because a lot of hip hoppers are into the skateboard scene and a lot of skateboarders are into the hip hop and rap music culture. And I think that the reason for this is because they rose up out of the same need for the people to be able to express themselves in 
a different way that was very, very personal. So with that, we're bringing to you someone who is telling the story of the skateboard revolution from the beginning of it to today. I would like to welcome James Swigert, producer of the movie N-Men, The Untold Story. Now, you heard about Dogtown down on the Southern California side of things. N-Men tells the story of skateboarding and how it started in Northern California. In addition to James Swigert, we also have someone that some of you may recognize if you're at all familiar with the skateboard scene. Uh, his name is Paul Rodriguez, better known as P-Rod. And then we also have Gene Levingston, who is a not so familiar face, but is equally involved in the skateboard movement and what it is today. So without further ado, welcome gentlemen. Hello. Hello, good to have you. Thank you, thank you for having us. Okay, well let's get started with James Swigert. James, do you prefer to be called James or Jim? Oh, James is fine. Okay, so I've seen the movie. The movie is fantastic. And for those of you who have not seen it, which you probably haven't because it hasn't hit the major featured theaters yet, but it has been sweeping the film festivals and taking all kinds of awards. So, James, tell me how In Men started and what made you decide to do this project? Wow. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, this is this is great. And I'm looking forward to hearing from your other guests here as well. But, uh, uh, you know, I grew up watching the N-Men. They were an older generation and, and they had actually formed in 1975 out of a resentment to the Dogtown's Z-Boys that were the it was the Zephyr team that was in the magazines. Uh, Craig Stesick was writing about it and taking these amazing photographs. And he really um, kind of turned them into myth and legend. And I was going to the to the skate parks and, and, and to the local scenes in Sacramento where there are paved embankments and was watching this crew doing the same tricks, front side airs and that sort of thing, the same stuff we were seeing in the magazines, but they were getting no uh, coverage because the, the two magazines and all the photographers were in Southern California and heavily covering, you know, the Southern California scene. And so out of a little bit of a resentment, you know, the uh, the crew up in Northern California said, you know, if they're boys down in Southern California, we're men up here. And so, so they, they, they kind of formed this crew and it was, uh, that started in 1975, just soon after the Z-Boys really kind of came into the magazines. And, and it was um, kind of this, this, this scene that was very underground, you know, they, they would, uh, they were just hardcore pool skaters. And when the parks opened up, they were doing tricks that we were seeing in the magazines. And we're like, where did you guys learn how to do all this? And, you know, they had been skate skateboarding vertical and pools for years before that. And we had no idea. And so uh, it was really exciting for us to see that firsthand in Northern California, you know, uh, Steve Caballero, you know, very, very young Stevie Cab was skating with the end men at, at Sierra Wave, where I first saw 
those guys skate. And so fast forward to years later, I had always kind of wondered what had happened to that crew. And and after moving to LA and working in, in film and television, I, I kind of, you know, and I think it was 2005, I went on Facebook. It was like the first social media thing. And and uh, I said, God, I wonder if any of those guys were still alive because they were so crazy. So I searched and and I searched for Randy Caton because he was kind of the guy, you know, one of the players of the crew. And I said, if anybody's going to be on social media, it'll be Randy. And sure enough, there he was. And it was like, oh my God, these the end men have never stopped skating. And now these guys are in their 50s, 60s and 70s, some of them still skating pools and still skating huge pipes and ditches and illegal stuff. And so I reached out to them, reconnected. And when I realized that three of them had become world champion skateboarders and that Don Bostic, who was the godfather of, crew that, of the crew that ran the little skate shop where we bought all our gear, uh, he went on to create the X Games for ESPN. And uh, he created World Cup skateboarding and he's still very active. And, you know, he, he and Tony Hawk and another group lobbied the International Olympic Committee to put skateboarding in the Olympics for the first time. And it was, you know, in Tokyo in 2021. And anyways, I, I, you know, I, in 2005, I approached him. I said, I think there's a story here. I'd like to tell it. And they were the, 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 guy, the John O'Shea, one of the co-founders of the crew. He's, he wasn't so excited about me telling about all their illegal activities. <laughs> and so, right. So he, right. He tapped the brakes till 2011. And around 2011, it, the end men had become kind of mainstream enough to where he, he gave me permission to tell their story. And I spent 11 years, um, because there was no documentation of this crew. And so I had to go into attics and garages and basements for 11 years. That's my, that's my dog behind me here. But uh, <laughs> I had to go into all of these, these play all over Northern California to find never before seen photographs and footage of the end men and was able to compile a really beautiful documentary um, that you were able to see. We've, we've had, like you said, some great awards in, uh, in the LA independent film festival. I got best director and then the film won best picture, which, as a documentary, that's pretty, that's pretty sweet. So um, really, really, you know, stoked to have stayed alive long enough to see this one through and, and um, happy, I'm super happy to be able to share it with the world. And, um, you know, the description uh, that someone gave is, is it's a, a beautiful and heartbreaking story uh, of unity. And, you know, because this crew was, it was started by, it guy really and is. Yeah. In Sacramento, it was started by a very diverse group of skateboarders and, you know, black, white, Latino, Asian. And, and in 1975, like some of the young kids that come to see the movie, they're like, wow, I didn't even know there were black skateboarders in 1975. That's dope, you know. And so we're pulling the covers off of a part of skateboarding history that really hasn't been covered. And, and, uh, and, and, and so really, really proud to be a part of it. And I was happy to share the premiere with you and your brother, who's actually one of the members, uh, full disclosure. Uh, right one of the original members. So uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. And I mean, actually the thing about it was it wasn't just, it's, it, it's not just showing that there were black skateboarders because I mean, Kurt was one of the, the, the first, he and Doug were amongst the first black skateboarders, but the Inman wasn't just white and black skateboarders. It was, uh, I mean, talk about diversity and men did it, including women. They brought women women in. And uh, I guess one of the, the biggest awards went to uh, a female. Mm -hmm. And then um, also Judy was a part of, of the N-Men. And I mean, you know, she's world champion material. So yeah. N-Men yeah. really did diversity well. So what exactly was it about N-Men that made them so 
unique. Now, Paul is part of the Southern California scene out of which Dogtown uh, came. And in the movie, you go into the, the fact um, that, you know, because Dogtown was down South, skateboarding was really highlighted down South, but yet we have several of the big players from the Southern California skateboard team that come in on the movie and they talk about how tough the end men were and what an, an impact that they they had on skateboarding. And, I, and I'm actually going to direct that question to Paul. Um, you know, you're one of those SoCal guys. What yep. was your experience of, of the end men? Well, to be honest with you, that was a lot before my time. I'm actually mm -hmm. learning about the end men right now. I actually, cool. uh, <laughs> I, to, to be in, in full disclosure, yeah, I, I actually am not familiar. I do know Don Bostic, though. Yes. I, I met Don Bostic through uh, all the different contest circuits throughout my uh, my skate career and whatnot since I was a little kid. But to be honest with you, I'm, I'm taking this opportunity to learn. I, I actually am Perfect. not familiar at all. Okay, perfect. And you've been to some world competitions, correct? Yes. Okay. And of course, you know that Don Bostic was the one that put that whole thing on the map because prior to Enmin and Don Bostic, um, there was no world competition because uh, skateboarding wasn't even it wasn't even recognized as a, a sport um, as a matter of fact it really had kind of a bad reputation and James you can you could talk to that to tell us about what that was all about and um, how it became well yeah I, you know in the early days and I'm talking the 60s the late 50s and 60s there were skateboarders there were clay wheels and metal wheels and we would pirate. metal wheels we would steal <laughs> our sister's roller skates and make you know and 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 there were actual production skateboards back then and the skateboard hall of fame up in simi valley has an amazing collection of some of those early boards and um go see todd huber up there he's he's uh he's the curator of a really an amazing collection but but in those early days you know it was very rigid it was all about kind of sidewalk surfing and that whole vibe and there was actually early world championships. In fact, Don Bostic went to the 1965 world championships, um, wow. but again, clay wheels and metal wheels and stuff. It was a different game. But in 1973, um, it was, it was the advent of the urethane wheel. And that was the game changer because the urethane wheel could roll over a lot more challenging surfaces like pavement and granite and, and stuff that, that, you know, was just kind of found, uh, uh, surfaces around the cities and, 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 and the suburbs. And so that urethane wheel changed the game. And that's really what the, you know, the Z boys were the first ones to kind of rip that surfing style on it, these little embankments and just really kind of employ that, that aggressive surfing style into skateboarding. And that was really when it really started to change. But, um, you know, and, and I think I can speak for Paul and myself. I, I've been to the Nike campus and seen the banner of Paul up there. So it's like, mm -hmm. I, uh, uh, but, but we had, a um, you know, we had a blast skating because you could go anywhere with those urethane wheels. They just really were much more merciful on on the concrete and the asphalts and the pavements that were out there. And, and that, you know, that that's what really changed the game, you mm -hmm. know, but but going back to what you were just talking about, kind of the Dogtown thing was 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 very public. 
the end men thing was very underground because they would, and when you see the movie, you'll see how they would steal pools. They'd sneak into people's houses. They had this like aggressive pool seeking program that like, if you're, if newspapers piled up on somebody's porch for a couple of days, someone in the end men crew got a wind of it. And they knew that those people were out of town or on vacation. They jumped the fence. They pumped 10,000 gallons out of the pool in seven, seven hours and skated until the people got home or the cops chased them out. And, and then they move on to the next one and they just keep them going. And, you know, um, and those stories, those yeah. stories are, are hilarious to me at this point in time, because my brother was a, a skater. He was one of the original end men. And at that time, my brother, I guess when he started skating, he was like eight years old. So he was very, very young. And my parents were very, very protective. And I just... I, I find it so funny that all of this was was going on because, you know, they embraced the whole skateboarding thing and uh, encouraged it with him. Now, I was locked in the house, practically, but they encouraged it with him. And I just thought to myself, oh, my God, if they only knew <laughs> what's going on. And Curtis when I saw yeah. the premiere, I couldn't help. <laughs> looking over at my dad like every couple of minutes to see what his reaction was. And there was just like this kind of expressionless thing going on. And I was like, oh, I wonder what's going on in his head right about now. Because and then and then they were colorful. <laughs> they were colorful. <laughs> Tell us about the the personalities, the the characters uh tell us about uh doug and and john and you know these were not your choir boys and and how did they get into skateboarding and what did it do for them from a mental health standpoint because you really delve into that in the movie and what what brings people to skateboarding yeah i, I mean i think that uh and this, you know, what I'm trying to do with this movie, is, and that's why it's called The Untold Story, right? We're pulling the covers on something. It wasn't just Dogtown and it wasn't just Venice and Santa Monica. This explosion with the urethane wheels happened everywhere. This is just one of many stories that's, that's out there from Miami to Seattle to Maine to New York, everywhere. There was a big explosion. So this is just one of the many stories that are out there. But what was kind of cool about this was, um, the time I was able to take to tell the story and do all the interviews, uh, I was really able to get, um, I have a young editor that helped me cut the film and, and he said, wow, and he's a skater. And he said, wow, I've never heard people speak about skateboarding the way that these guys talk about skateboarding, you know, and, and, you know, it was skateboarding attracts the outlaw, a skateboarding attracts tough Tough people, you got to be tough to take those falls over and over and over again. You know, there's a great line in the movie, uh, you know, skateboarders are some of the toughest people I know, right? Mm -hmm. And it's true. And it's true. And, and a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them, you know, survived really. I was a latchkey kid. I came from a broken home. John and Doug, they came from rough upbringings. And mm -hmm. so this was not unlike, you know, like you said, you know, we're talking about music and hip I love the way you compared skateboarding to hip hop because there's a that's all so true. But the thing is, is like, man, when you don't fit in and you don't have 
the support and the family structure, you're, you're hungry for that belonging, right? And it's the same reason people fall into gangs or fall into sports or whatever. I just need, I want to get validated. I want to feel like I belong. And, and when you don't have a lot to work with, and I bought skateboards and trucks and boards from my paper out money from Don Bostick's shop. And then you go seek out the people doing what you're doing, you know? And if you showed up, like I said, male, female, didn't matter what color you were. If you showed up and you went and charged hard, you're part of the crew. You're part of the crew. And if you're cool and you've got everybody's back and you're, you know, you're not a kook, they'll let you know where that next little embankment is. They'll know you, let you know where that ditch is and that next pool that they've discovered. And, and then you just, you, and then you become a part of it. And it's like that sense of belonging, I think is, is, is that sense of tribe is I, I call my movie. It's really a story about tribe, right? Finding mm-hmm. your tribe. And, and this tribe has been going since 1975 and they've never stopped. The Z boys were together for three years. You know, right. the Dogtown guys still skate and Jim Muir has got Dogtown and all of that. But that crew didn't stick together like the end men. And the end men are just literally like this. And it's just grown into this big, all encompassing family. And, you know, I, I'm bummed that, you know, uh, Paul and Jean, uh, is it Jean or Jean? I don't know how to pronounce Jean. I'm sorry. Jean. Jean. I'm sorry you guys haven't had a chance to see the movie. I would have sent you the link ahead of time if I knew you're going to be here because you would be able to kind of see what we're, what we're talking and totally relate to it too, because, there's another great line in the movie where one of the end men says, you know what? We were loners that formed a group of loners, mm-hmm. you know, and skateboarders get that like skateboarders get that. It's like, cause it's an individual expression sport, right? It's, it's like, you can do this, you can do the contest thing and you can go mainstream and get sponsored and all that, but you don't have to, right. You don't have to, to hang out. Like, like you can literally go to some of the best, you know, clover pools in California. And you could be skating right next to Tony Alva and you can be, because we were like a couple of weeks ago when we did the, the premiere, Cavalero came up, Alva was there. I mean, we had guys coming out of the woodwork. We had like uh, Mike Smith who invented the Smith grind. He showed up from out of the woods. Nobody's seen him in a long time, you know, and, and Christian Hasoy showed up and, and these are guys, I mean, I rode their skateboards and they came to the premiere of my movie, which is mental, you know, it's like, it's, it's so, and I'd love to hear you elaborate on this too, Paul, because it's so accessible. Like, it, like if, if, if Paul's skating somewhere, like his biggest fans can walk right up to him and, and, you know, Leo right. Messi, Leo Messi is kind of hard to get to, you know what I mean? But it's like, that's the beauty of skateboarding. It's so accessible to anybody. And it, and it, all you got to do is be a kid with a hunger and a desire and show up at a skate park. And there's going to be dudes like us. That'll be like, Hey man, you know, try leaning, try leaning back a little bit when you make, you know, it, it's like, we'll coach you into that. And I see it happen all the time at the parks from guys that are 60 to 10 year olds, you know? Yeah. Now Paul actually um, in an interview that he did with, Bloomberg, um, he had a, a a statement that he made that I think kind of just will resonate with every skateboarder. Uh, Paul, you said that skateboarding was your addiction. And mm-hmm. um, I, I think that every skateboarder I've ever bumped into seems to have that same sense. My, my brother is almost 60 and he's broken up you know, backs, you know, hips, everything just messed up. And, you know, he's, he's waiting for surgery. And still when Enmen came into town, uh, he still tried to get out there and skate. I don't know how much he actually did when you guys went out, but I know that he tried to get out and skate because I know he came back hurting. So Paul, talk to us about that whole, I'm addicted to skateboarding thing. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. It, it's just as soon as I set foot on a skateboard, that was it. I knew that was for me. I knew that I couldn't get enough. I knew that nothing else mattered to me but getting on my skateboard. You know, I would be at school and I would be in class and the teacher would be talking. It would just be like on the Charlie Brown cartoon. <laughs> Wow, wow, wow. And I'm just thinking about skating, skating. What am I going to do when I get home? What do I want to try? What do I want to practice? And um, for me, I'm just grateful that I found something that is very productive to be addicted to. You know, there, there's a lot mm-hmm. of things we can be addicted to in this world. I'm just grateful that what I chose to be addicted to was something very productive and um, something that, you know, I didn't know at the time, but it was going to bring me a long way in life. Mm-hmm. Um I just got to give glory to God because at that age, when I started 11 years old, you can be very impressionable. You can go any way, you know, you can be taken down any Avenue. And uh, Mm -hmm. I happened to find skateboarding. And once I was there, I was locked in. I had the horse blinders on. I I didn't care about anything else, anyone else. I didn't, I didn't want to go to any parties. I didn't want to hang out with girl. I just wanted to skateboard all day, every day. And I just, it just felt like, this matter of importance to me it just felt like it was like i had to do it i I don't have any other better way to explain but it's just what was the draw what was the draw what need did it fill um well i'm gonna say a few things so you know i i grew up in the house only child you know, mm-hmm. and um, I, I, I dabbled in playing baseball as a kid and like team sports. But what I loved about skateboarding is I didn't have to wait on anyone. I didn't have to make sure like, oh, all my friends can come out and play. Like I can't play baseball by myself. I can't go out and play basketball by, by myself. I can shoot hoops and whatnot, but that's, it's not the same. Like I can't play without other people. Um, and skateboarding was like. I can do that. I don't have to wait on anyone. I can go outside. I can work on my tricks. I can do everything. Of course, I wanted to go out and skate with my friends. I wanted to be around people. But if they, if if you know, one of my friends was grounded that day, I didn't. My whole day wasn't ruined because of it. You know, I, I had something I could still do. Um, so that was something that felt very like it, it is very free. A lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. I can go inside. I can watch the skate video. I can go in my little backyard as long as you have a little patch of cement. And a skateboard and some, you know, decent pair of shoes. You didn't, it was, first of all, it's not an expensive thing to get involved in, right? Like, you know, certain things you have to get money. Your parents got to sign you up to Little League. You got to get a ride over there. You have to pay to get in the league. You to forget about surfing and snowboarding. That stuff's expensive. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, skateboarding is like, you, you know, you can muster up some, like, I used to save up the lunch money that my mom would give me. I would save it up. I wouldn't eat at school. And after a few weeks, I would have enough money to go buy a little skateboard. I'd have enough money to buy some shoes that were on sale. And I was good to go. You just need a patch of concrete um, and a skateboard, and, and you're going to have a blast. You know, so it's it's very accessible. That That's that's really cool about it, a cool thing about it. Now, something that you're saying there I find very interesting because a lot of the kids that get into skateboarding as – James said, uh, they're coming from single parent homes or, you know, they're coming from poverty, they're coming from the streets, whatever. But that wasn't your background. You know, you had a a famous father, there Mm -hmm. was plenty of money, but you said, 
I saved my lunch money. Okay. I, 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 it was your own. It was important, obviously, yeah. for it to be your own thing. Yeah, yeah. It, um, for whatever reason that I, I still can't put into words very well, but it's just like, like you guys said earlier, it was an addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I was compelled to do it. I had to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I did have friends who who weren't as fortunate as me who had to also do the same thing. And it's just like, I didn't, at that age, when you're 11, 12 years old, you don't understand the economic differences between friends. You don't understand certain social barriers or whatever. You're just like, yo, you want to skate? I want to skate. Let's go. Let's go skate. Like, you know, um, it was your destiny. Pure. Yeah. It was just so pure. Destiny. Yeah. I thank God for that every day, but it was just so pure. I met some of the best people in my life through skateboarding. I met so many amazing characters, interesting characters, funny people come from all walks of life. And the thing that I learned is like, it just, I never was conditioned to look at life through color barriers, religion barriers, economic barriers. It was just, if you skate, I skate, we skate, we got some in common, we're brothers, you know, whatever it is. And, and that's, um, that's been my I didn't experience. realize how cool that was at the time. I yeah. didn't realize how important that was. And, and, you know, now being an adult and being a father, like, and seeing where the world is at today, especially in this country, all the things that are trying to divide us all. Like, to me, like, it wasn't, It I never had a mind that thought like that. It was just, let's, let's get to it. You know, let's go yeah. skate. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I, I really think that it's interesting because skateboarding does seem to do that. And like I said, and you know, initially I compared it to hip hop because hip hop yeah. does that for, for music. I mean, you can go to Australia and there's going to be some little Australian kid out 100%. there that's doing hip hop. And you're going to find, you know, the same kid out there shredding it on a skateboard. Yeah, so absolutely. It's it's a And also, the, um, I like the idea like in hip hop. Uh, they, they they speak on this concept too is making something out of nothing, you know yes. ideas that you have in your mind and you and you manifesting it and bring it to fruition in real life. Yes, that's also really cool. Like you know skateboarding, like I say, you just have to have a board and a slab of concrete. You can go out, you can look at a set of stairs, you can look at certain architecture ledges or whatever the case may be, and you can have an idea in your head. And if you have the creativity and the willpower to try over and over again, bring it out into the real world. You know, I feel like hip hop is very similar in that, in that aspect too, is like, you know, it was a craft you have, you have a beat, you know, especially early on, you know, they, they would take beats from songs that already existed and then put their own ideas over it. You know, it's like, you can't stop. You can't stop powerful creativity. Right. And it's very, Absolutely. it's very cool. Absolutely. And then, you know, skateboarding is an interesting thing because when skateboarding first came out, you know, again, uh, people who people who were skateboarding, um, you know, people looked at them like the stoner crew. (laughs) It's like, oh, these are the bad kids. They're not going to amount to, to anything. And if someone skateboarded, chances are nine out of 10 that the parents might not be supporting it and might actually be seriously doubting it. You know, you need to get a life, you need to plan to get a job and so on and so forth. So I'm going to ask you a very personal question 
here mm. for all of the parents out there who think that you can't make a living as a skateboarder. Can you yeah. tell me what your net worth is right now? Oh, oh my net worth? I mean, yes. Uh, it's, it's pretty good. It's <laughs> not, I'm, I'm not the richest man in the world, but uh, I'm not poor. I don't want to really say the number, but I, what I can say is thank God. Um, I have been a, I'm a millionaire, uh, mm -hmm. through skateboarding and that that's something that I, I never even knew was possible, uh, when I started. So it's, it's possible, but I will still, still say I'm one of the lucky few in skateboarding. Yes. Skateboarding is still not, it's not something that, you know, if you want your kids to get into it and think that they're going to be instant millionaires, if they make the pro ranks, that's, that's not at all the case. You have to have business savvy you have to be willing Absolutely. to do like things like this like interviews on the radio go to podcasts go 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 that extra mile a lot of my friends who are phenomenal skateboarders they're very introverted they don't want to be seen they don't want to talk they just want to put their tricks on the camera and that's it and you know it can be very limiting if you're not willing to, to have a, a hustler spirit so to speak or an entrepreneurial entrepreneurial spirit. yeah so you know, I, I got very lucky. I came up in a in a good time. I had good management, and I and also I I got to give a lot of credit to watching. You know, seeing my father's career before me. You know, my father's was a well off, successful stand up comedian, and so I had exposure to seeing someone living their dream and doing it to the fullest as mm -hmm. a kid. You know, like as we mentioned here before, there a lot of kids came from broken homes, came from rough situations. They they wanted to where they found skateboarding as a place where they can belong and can fit in. And, but they didn't necessarily have the mindset of like, let me take this to the biggest level. Let me, let me try and push this. You know, they might have just saw it as like a place of like social uh, status or social like comfort, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I thankful I had that as well, but I also had big dreams. I seen someone close to me living their dreams to the fullest. So I was like, well, I want to take this to the biggest level, you know, and I want to do it as big as I can. So it's not for everyone. There's no right or wrong. And, and you have, and I mean, you've, you've made a decent income, but it hasn't just been with skateboarding. You've d diversified their shoes there, you know, there all kinds. But I think of the important thing, the, only, the important thing I hear you saying, Paul, and, and, and I think that, and the same thing with, and I love that your dad was your inspiration. That's beautiful. I like that. Uh, you yeah. props. But the thing is, is like, Paul didn't do it for the money. You know right. what I mean? No. Oh, I had absolutely. no idea that money was absolutely. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I made this movie. I paid for every single penny of this and I spent way more money than I should have spent on it. But it was my passion. It was my passion. And I wanted to tell their story. Because these were my friends that never got their recognition. You know what yeah. I mean? So I spent, I could own two houses in LA for what I yeah. spent on this documentary. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully like what goes around comes around. And it's like, yeah. I was able to leave something behind that that yeah. communicates a lot of love, a lot of heart, a lot of soul. And it's history. It's 50, And a lot of passion. And yeah, a lot and of it's passion. 50 years of skateboarding history that nobody knows about, you know? And so, yeah. but- I, you know, oh, I, I love and, that. And it's like, if, if a kid's doing, yeah, if you're looking for the money or doing it for the wrong reasons, because skateboarding hurts yeah. too much. Yeah, you're not guaranteed to get money. Like, you know, getting into any of the traditional sports, basketball, baseball, football, like, you know, even the rookies in those yeah. leagues are instant millionaires. But in this, in this world, it's not, that's, it's not guaranteed nor likely, right. you know, you've got to have a different, yeah 
mindset and goals and aim for that type of thing. But but for all the parents out there throwing rocks at it, and hey, saying, sure. you, you I, can't. I don't want to steal your show here, but since yeah. uh, Gene and Paul haven't seen this, can I share pictures of your brother real quick as a little guy? Yes, yes please. Yes, you so, absolutely may. Since, hold, uh, hold, hold still. I'm going to yes. show you one of the most amazing. And, 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 and when I tell you, I was going into attics and garages looking at old photographs. I want you to see this picture of Curtis taken by a man named Bill Golding who basically had these photographs sitting in a box in his garage for 30 years. And he gave me 500 plus photos to share with the world. But uh, this is Cheryl's brother, Curtis Bryant, AKA the natural uh, <laughs> this insane air looking right down the camera. Yeah. <laughs> in uh, 19, 1977. Wow. And he Born. was a natural man. Look at him, just like uh -huh. eyeballing the lens, <laughs> staring right in the camera, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and chewing on his tongue. That was, his, on his, tongue. That was his signature. I mean, he, he when he started to concentrate, he would chew on his tongue. So that is just like prototypical Curtis, right there. A little, and one more, one more, just for the books, because he's a he was a ripper, and we just he was just yeah. a, a total natural. Oh. That's, that's a uh, pleasure point skateboard from Santa Cruz area. With some wow. old park, like park dancer wheels. And Where is this like a Del Mar or something? No, like that? this is uh this is Sierra Wave Skateboard Park in Sacramento. Open ah, from seventy, yeah, from seventy-seven in Sacramento from nineteen seventy-seven until seventy late seventy-eight when they bulldozed it for the insurance stuff when all the parks closed. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that there is just something in a person that makes them a skateboarder because my brother and my son were never around each other. And my my son was never exposed to skateboarding in any way. And then all of a sudden, one day, he picks up a skateboarder, uh, a board, and he becomes my brother. I mean, it was just like the the, the love, the passion, the, the skill, all of it. And the addiction, the addiction. So Gene, you know, the addiction. Tell us about how did you get to, to skateboarding? Uh, I just, um, I got into it actually when I was a kid. My mom bought me a Pikachu skateboard from Walmart. And Pikachu. then uh, a Pikachu skateboard, one of the <laughs> cheap $20, $30 ones from Walmart. And uh, I just started skating. So, uh, so when I was a kid, and then I would just play sports, like basketball and football. But then I went back to skateboarding as a teenager. I still skate to this day for fun, but I, I used to be pretty good. I used to do stairs, like like five, 10 stairs, kickflip. I never really hurt myself doing it, but um, I just would skate for fun with my friends. And sometimes even to this day, me and my friends still go to skate parks and I'm like almost 30. So I still, I work a regular job, but I still skate from time to time. It's still, it's still really fun to learn new tricks. Yeah. What was so, the draw for you? Uh, the rush is just skating down the streets, getting to your destination. Um, the, uh, the wind through your face when you're going up and down the curb, uh, like street skating. Sometimes me and my friends will go into schools and just skate like ledges and some stairs here and there. Well, uh, I got on a Saturday or a Sunday and, uh, we just go to skate parks and just go around and just try to learn new tricks. And we just skate on and off. So we're constantly always 
kind of doing the same stuff, but mm-hmm. it's always fun. I'll probably be skating until I'm 60. Yeah. To- and I, I, you know, my brother is, is, is almost 60. Like I said, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's broken up and he's still skating. And how old, how old is our oldest skater from the Inman? Cause we had some, some that were up there, James. Well, I, I'm a, I'm going to be 60 in a few months. So Gene, I still, but you're, but you're still a baby. Stuff. You're still so, a baby. Wow. Not, so someone kick, is like 70, right? Kick it off. Well, I, I surf a lot. So I stay young, you know, uh, uh, but uh, between surfing, and sk- I'd rather fall in the water than on the concrete, but I still skate. Um, the oldest skateboarder in the movie is is Cliff Coleman. And Cliff Coleman was the guy from Berkeley that invented the Coleman slide, which is what you see a lot of the downhillers doing. Those that he was in 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 at Telegraph Hill in Berkeley in 1976. They have photographs of him just doing these like nasty 40-foot slides going, you know, 40, 50 miles an hour. And he started that whole idea of sliding to slow yourself down to get around corners. And that's wow. called that's called the Coleman slide. And that was started in NorCal. So, but yeah, wow. Cliff is Jamie Hart won his world championship against people like less than half his age. He was 59 when he won the world championship in the downhill slalom. Cliff Coleman, also a world champion. I think he's now 70, 73, 72, 73. Wow. And bombing hills. These guys are wow. in hardcore. Yeah, yeah, awesome. absolutely. That's now, what I'm you, hoping for. <laughs> you talked about the passion, uh, James, of the skateboarding. Let's talk about the passion of those of you who are bringing the, the story to light. Like, let's talk about the photographer that made this possible yeah bill golding incredible he bill took those two shots that i just shared with you guys and and bill was uh, his son mike skated with the end men in the early days in these ditches and pipes and, and bill was an amateur photographer and, and actually a really good photographer but he followed them around and took all these photographs and um when you know fast forward 30 some years when i'm thinking about doing a documentary that you know the end men were a little uh, uh, embellished a little bit about what was available to me for as far as doc. I, I started making a documentary without any documentation, so I was kind of an idiot. But uh, <laughs> the, the the you know they're like, oh no, there's tons of photos, there's footage. They couldn't find anything, and so mm-hmm. after I started filming interviews, uh, we we put a private investigator out there to try to find some of these photographers. And sure enough, two and a half years into filming, we found Bill Golding. We're like do you have any of those old photos of the original Endman? He goes, I got them all. They're sitting in a garage in a box. Mm-hmm. I'm like, holy shit. So we were able to, you know, I wouldn't have a documentary if it wasn't for Bill Golding. And so the, the kind of the sad part is, is that Bill passed away a couple of years ago before I finished the film, but not before we could actually put a rough cut of the film in front of him. I mean, literally in his last days, his son was able to show him a rough cut. And we, we, the segment where we featured Bill uh, uh, was already edited and it looked great. And so he got to see his part in the movie and we left it pretty much untouched from when he wow. saw it. And so that what you saw, Cheryl, at the, at the premiere was literally what Bill got to see. And he was so stoked that his photos would be shared with the world because Otherwise, they would have just disappeared, you know, and gotten right. sold on garage sale right. or something. But now we were right. able to actually put, you know, like 400 some of these vintage, you know, NorCal skateboarding photographs in this film to, to really help tell the story. Now, I want to talk about 
why people should see this movie and why this story needs to be told. This is a, this is a documentary, but it's not your typical documentary. You know, it's not just going through and, and giving you the dry facts and, you know, sure there are some great scenes of, of, of people just shredding on a skateboard. It, it's great if you're a skateboarder to just, observe that and hear the history. But what makes this film something that anyone, I mean, anyone who didn't know a thing about skateboarding would enjoy and could relate to was the stories that were behind it. The stories of, of, of real people with real issues, real things to work out, you know, building their self-esteem. Some of them did well and some of them faltered and some of them struggle and continue to struggle. But the end men was a success story because even those who struggled are supported by this big family. And of course, we, we lost John, um, but- Spoiler alert, you can't go giving it away. All right. No, I'm <laughs> but but Can I mean, ask one question. Yes. Where did the name Enman come from? Northern California is essentially the 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 idea behind it. But when you see North the movie, you know, there's okay. there's a there's a lot there's a lot more behind it. But okay, okay. Yeah, I don't want yeah. you to give too much away. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. right. No, but uh, I you mean, have to see it. You have to see the okay. movie. I, I think to answer to kind of go where you're going with that, Cheryl is is. Uh, it's a love story. And that's mm -hmm. why, it, you know, I've had so many friends bring along people like there was this Korean woman. She's not a skateboarder. She was brought by a boyfriend um, to the premiere. And she's like, wow, I thought I was coming to see a skateboarding movie. I had no idea I was going to laugh and cry, you know? Exactly. And so it's, it's really, it's, you know, I mean, a lot of the stuff that Paul and, and Gene are probably used to and me is skate porn. We call it skate porn because it's just like, oh, it's all the latest tricks and the guys doing them edgy, you know, it's like, it's, and it's just, it guys, you know, pulling my finger and farting and doing, you know, goofy, yeah. you know, jackassy kind of stuff. But this film is a human film. It's a film about uh, humanity. In fact, you know, what I would like to do is I would like, and it's, it is a love story. It's a love story between a bunch of people and their skateboards, like Paul was just talking about that addiction, you know, there's mm -hmm. healthy addictions, right? Yes. And, um, and, and it's a love story about Doug and John, like not, yes. it's not like a, yes. like a gay love story. It's about two best friends that mm -hmm. started something in motion and they had no idea. And they both had to, you know, struggle with their own demons. But, you know, mm -hmm. the actor, Josh Brolin, uh, is a friend of mine and he gave us the voiceover for John's voice in the film. And Josh Brolin yeah. came on as an executive producer. I'll just read really quickly with the note he sent to me. We look back on our lives and it's moments like these that shine. Being involved in something moving, communal, and that reminds us of our intrinsic through line humanness. The idea of success eludes me. It's an inside job. And what you have filmed and structured in this film says everything about you. So again, I am honored and I'm truly grateful to be associated with something so human as your film. And it, so and it, it really was just very, very human because like, you know, like the lady said, I laughed and I cried, but there was something deeper. You know, you watch a, a, a love story or, you know, any story and it can move you to tears, but there was just something 
deeper in in this you know it it, it resonated with your your very soul and it was inspiring you know it made you it made you laugh it, it made you feel alive it made you want to go out and do something amazing because you can and and just it was very inspirational in in many different kinds of, of ways so, yeah it's a very different it's a very different kind of skateboard documentary for sure and you know one of the things that was super cool for me is when I started kind of digging to see if I had a story there and we, you know, we found the photographs and that was great, but I think it, it really came alive when, uh, because otherwise people are like, I've never, you know, a bunch of my friends uh, are younger generation Dogtown guys down here. I surf with them and mm -hmm. stuff. And I would ask them, you know, have you heard of the end men? They're like, no, who the hell are the end men? Never heard of them. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and I was a little like, ah, is this even a thing? And then when I got Tony Hawk in the movie and Tony Hawk talks about them and validates them and talks about their contribution to skateboarding, including the, you know, Don Bostic creating the X mm -hmm. games for ESPN, you know, the snowboard and skateboard events. He created that because he was the mm -hmm. one doing it up in Sacramento. Um, and then when Steve Caballero came in and vouched for him and said how significant they were and Tommy Guerrero and Eric Dressen and, 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 and Mark Gonzalez and like all the, and Steve Olson and, and when, when, Tony Alva comes in the movie and says the end men were as great as, if not better than the Dogtown guys, my jaw dropped. You know, right. me too. <laughs> because guys like Paul, the younger generation guys are like, who? And then you're like, well, wait a minute. There's no higher authority on 1970s pool skating than Tony Alva. And he's like a Dogtown guy. And, and anyway, it's just, it was when, when the, when the pros came out and really kind of, kind of legitimized the story uh, that's when I, you know, that's when I was like, it was a dream come true. I was literally like, I can die, go to heaven. Now I'm good. Like, it was, yes. it was, you know, and, and, and again, Absolutely. this was me being of service to my friends. Like I wanted to, their story to be told. And, and just like Paul had that drive. And that you told to the passion. heck out of it. I, think so I know that you have a, a hard stop. Yeah, so I bit, want you to tell me. Uh, to tell us how people can see this movie. For sure. Uh, right now, we are uh, doing premieres. We, we, we've been doing the film festival circuit and premiering at little film festivals around. Um, we're doing a Boise premiere, not convenient for probably the five of us, but uh, Boise, August 1st, they're opening a new brand new skate park in Boise, Idaho. They got a cool skate scene up there. We're uh, opening it up at the, the old school Egyptian theater downtown Boise, August 1st. We're right now in talks to get it on one of the major streaming platforms. That's probably going to happen in the next few months here, uh, but it'll definitely be accessible for rent and download and purchase for streaming within the next uh, three to six months. You can find us on Instagram. The website to go watch the trailer is nmanthemovie.com. So check out the trailer on the website and then stay tuned there and follow us on Instagram uh, and elsewhere for kind of updates of, of where you can check it out. But thank you so much for having me. Dr. Cheryl, appreciate it. And Paul, an honor. Gene, pleasure to oh, meet you. And stoked. Stoked yeah. to be a part of this uh, this podcast. All right. Well, we are, we are to meet you. And it was a pleasure to learn so much about uh, about skateboarding, the thing I love so much, and, and learn the history. So thank you for well, that. Well, just behind me here is the, the movie poster. And this is uh, Shepard Ferry. 
And his yeah. design team created this poster, and it's from one of the old photographs that Bill Golding had taken. And it's, wow. uh, it's a dope-ass poster. I'll, we'll find a way to get one to you, Paul, if you're in town here. I'll, I'll try to I chase you down. Absolutely. I appreciate that. would be awesome. Yeah. Anything, any, anytime I can learn is, is uh, something I'm having about, happy about. So. Well, we're going to do another L.A. premiere, and I'll make sure that everybody on here is invited and mm-hmm. connect everybody, and we'll get you guys get you guys the VIP. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Cause I can definitely, this is a film that I could watch over and over and, and over again. And I have seen it. I've seen it twice now. And uh, each time, you know, saw something different and each time was just as emotionally connected to it. So, you know, if you get a chance to go out and, and see the premiere do go and see it. It is a worthwhile thing to to do. And it will really give you an education uh, on that thing that is the passion known as skateboarding. And you'll, you'll walk away with an entirely different impression of what it is. Awesome. So, you know, James, Paul, Gene, I, I would like to Thank, Thank you, you for for your time and for for sharing your sport with us. Ricky Aaron, thank you for helping to pull this together and 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 bringing Paul and and Jean to share in with this. And uh James, thank you for letting me be a part of your experience. Uh and I'm I'm happy to bring this to a bigger audience. And uh, I'm happy that you're bringing it to the world. For those of you out there watching and listening, thank you for joining us. Again, you are listening to Chatters That Matters. Let's talk about it. And I am your show host, Dr. Cheryl Bryant-Bruce. We look forward to having you join us. Every week we're here and we want you to join. We want you to, to watch, like share and comment so again and there they go uh, those are those are my little doggies there are our mascots rosie and mitzi and uh, they waited till the end of the show so we appreciate them too <laughs> so again come back and join us we're here every week 7 p.m monday and wednesday at 7 p.m pacific standard time and uh we are pretty much anywhere that you can look we're on youtube we're on apple we're on roku we're on spotify and a whole host of other places but definitely you can see us every week on on youtube uh and it lives there in perpetuity so you guys will be able to to watch this and and see yourselves and uh, share it with your friends thanks for joining us chatters that matters let's talk about it what's going on this is paul rodriguez also known as p-rod professional skateboarder and you are watching chatters that matters much love. Hey, uh, this is Gene Livingston from Rialto, and you're watching Shatters That Matters. <laughs>